everybody, welcome to the October 14th, 2016 edition of Colorado Inside Out. I'm your host, Dominic Dizzuti. Thank you very much for joining us. Let's get a quick take on Denver Mayor Michael Hancock appointing Alan Salazar, longtime Democratic political strategist, as his new chief of staff. Uh, Patty Calhoun from Westford, this seemed like a, uh, a home run for uh, Hancock. Uh, we've, we've beat him up quite a bit at this table, but uh, I, I can see no problems with this hire. What do you think? Oh, I think it's a great move. I mean, Alan Salazar is a smart man. He's a good man. He's been, until he went for the Clinton campaign for the last five years, he's been with Hickenlooper, where he's been a legislative liaison, which shows you know how to work with both sides through him. You know how to deal with the public. I think it's a very good move. David Copel from the Independence Institute and DU Law School. What do you think of the hire? Can Salazar, it's not like it's a, uh, I want to. Alan has, Salazar. Alan Salazar, yeah. pardon me. Uh, has, uh, it, it hasn't been riddled with, riddled with problems, but I think adding Salazar to the team should be a big benefit to the Hancock administration. Besides being good and smart, as Patty said, he's, he's also wise and temperate. And he will be a, a great advisor. He goes beside before working for uh, Hickenlooper. He was with Mark Udall for 10 years, was his chief of staff for a while, and he actually goes back, you know, beyond, behind that, beyond that to, to Gary Hart. The, the only blemish on his record is he's currently working on the Hillary Clinton campaign. <laughs> but fortunately, that's just a period of bad judgment for a few months, which shouldn't tarnish an otherwise exemplary career. He's, 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 he is a great choice and will, will make the mayor's office better and will make the city truly more in government, more inclusive for everyone. Eric Sodom, political analyst. Some were saying that because of the different aspirations of the high-profile folks that Salazar worked for before, that uh, this might mean bigger aspirations for Hancock. Do you buy into that, or is this just really stabilizing city government? I buy into the fact that I think Michael Hancock wants to keep his political options open, but I'm not sure I see a path for Michael Hancock, and I don't necessarily see that that's the genesis of, of this particular hire. Uh, this is very unbecoming, this table, that we're all going to compliment somebody in, in, in pretty uh, intense terms, but I'm not going to vary from that, Alan, as, as has been said. He's a good person. He's a smart person. He has integrity, both of the personal kind and the intellectual kind. Uh, can't say enough good things about Alan Salazar, and credit to Michael Hancock for enlisting him and bringing him aboard. Penfield Tate, attorney at QTAC Rock, also a longtime state lawmaker. Will you make it unanimous? It's unanimous. This is a grand slam hit for the mayor and for the city and county of Denver. Allen is everything that everybody has said, and above all, he's just he's a good man. He's a great guy. Uh, the key thing now is going to be folks over at City Hall need to listen to him and follow some of his guidance and wisdom and experience, and they will find that they're a better um, mayor's office and city government because of it. Let's get to it. Last Sunday's presidential debate, along with the release of a tape of lewd comments by Donald Trump, has transformed the presidential campaign. Many high-profile Republicans have denounced and retracted support from Donald Trump, and he's responded by attacking GOP party leaders. Meanwhile, more released emails from the Hillary Clinton campaign has caused problems for her as both candidates make stops here in Colorado. Patty, uh, I think we saw Trump earlier this week. Oh, excuse me, we're going to see Trump later this week, and we've uh, Hillary was in Pueblo just a couple days ago. Um, they're not spending a lot of money on ads here, yet Pueblo's become the sweet spot stop for them. What do you think? 
Well, I think that you can tell we filmed this show at noon on Friday because we, we were busy interrupting each other last <laughs> Friday because the big news had been the vice presidential debate. And then all of a sudden we had a locker room gate come up at, right after we were done filming. I don't think we need to indulge in locker room banter here, but I will say that Charles Krautheimer's column where he's talking about it's not the locker room, it's the locker up conversation that is what is so dismaying about the Trump groups. And that was certainly one of the amazing moments in that debate when Trump is saying basically he's going to, if he's elected president, he one of his first things will be to investigate and lock up Hillary Clinton. It, it you know, got more uh, polite from there. It was just a crazy debate and amazing just watching him lurk over her. Um, but And bad news for Hillary this week, too. I mean, the emails again, which one of her handlers had said when the first news leaked out, he thought would blow over in a weekend. The only thing that makes this blow over is the fact that Trump is such a blow hard that there's no room to talk about Hillary because we're all just talking about the next appalling thing he's done. David, are you surprised to see so many stops in, in Pueblo and in Colorado in general, seeing that most of the money's been pulled out of the state? No, I, Hillary's shoring up her victory, and Trump is flopping around like a, a dead fish and, and doing his best to try to survive. But the, the general election it, it is over. And for that reason, I think people should vote, in, in my view at least, uh, would be better off voting for someone with character and integrity. Um, Evan McMullen, the independent candidate who was a conservative, used to run the, uh, the House Republican Study Committee on, on policy, uh, is in a statistical tie for first place in Utah. Utah is a very conservative state. Colorado is a more libertarian state. So Gary Johnson has the best chance of delivering Colorado's electoral votes to someone who is not obviously unfit for office. And it will vary place by place. But the more people who vote for a third party, the more at least some people in the country can show there's rejection of the culture of impunity, which Trump and Clinton both epitomize. Jay Leno, back in, in 1999, when Trump was talking about running for president then and saying, well, maybe, you know, people need a change from, from Clinton, he said, you know, uh, the womanizing, the sexual misconduct, shady real estate deals, Trump is Clinton. <laughs> and and that, that prediction was right. I'll say my prediction a few months ago that this will be the most dirtiest, most negative campaign in history, and also the most honest, uh, has come true. That first 20 minutes of the debate where they were saying all these terrible things about each other, maybe a little exaggeration here or there on, on a few phrases, but basically they were all right on. Every charge he said against her was accurate. Every charge she said against him was accurate. So kudos to both of them for their honesty. And I'll tell you what, if you're somebody who actually cares about the issue of sexual assault, for which he confessed in the unusual criminal case where you have the confession first and then the accusation, and then after that, the denials. So you've not only got to believe that all these accusers are lying, you also have to believe he was lying when he confessed on tape. But then if you're voting for Hillary, you're of course voting for the wife of someone who's also a serial sexual assault perpetrator and someone who's participated in the cover-ups herself. And, oh, well, she didn't do it. Yeah, but he's coming to the White House if she's elected two for one, as he put it in 1991. Uh, and he's going to be back at the scene of the crimes he's perpetrated in the past. The Democrats have honored him with a speaking role at every convention since his presidency. Neither party cares about sexual assault. They just use it for politics. 
Eric David's long been known for his milquetoast attitude towards this presidential campaign, so the comments aren't surprising. As you look at the uh, the last few weeks here of the of the campaign, we have stops in Pueblo as if Colorado's still a swing state. And I think the last poll showed 11 points, so it's not a fight anymore. Um, are, are you surprised Pueblo is still such a highlight, or does that represent something that actually sells better in other states that may at some point be competitive? I honestly don't know, Dominic. I can't figure out why Pueblo is uh, is is the everyone's favorite stop right now. It's become the new Peoria. Does it does it does it sell in Pueblo? Does it sell in Peoria? Uh, this election can't come soon enough. Could we just have this thing tomorrow? I mean, I, I don't know about the rest of you, but I'm voting when I receive my ballot uh, next week and 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 be done with this thing. This thing cannot be over soon enough. I don't necessarily disagree with David. I tend to take a different tone than David and maybe use different words than David, but this is a deplorable election between a couple of deplorable candidates. Now, having said that, they are not equally deplorable. Everyone says, oh, you make all these false equivalencies, Eric. I don't make equivalencies. I just am critical of both of them. But one of them is a plausible president. One of them is not. And that is the difference you're seeing uh, in the polls. This country does not want to elect Hillary Clinton president. They have made that abundantly clear. They would take any viable alternative. But there is no viable alternative out there. I think the news of this past week was the number of Republicans abandoning ship, jumping ship. Paul Ryan almost did it. Locally, Bill, o Bill Owens had an interesting social media post called Trump a charlatan, and, and kudos to Bill Owens. My only question, and credit for all these Republicans, it is tough to abandon the, the titular leader, the nominee of your party, and credit to those who have done it. But why did it take this latest incident to convince them that he was unfit for office. I mean, I won't do the whole litany of incidents that have preceded it, but why was this latest incident somehow uh, uh, the tipping point for them? Uh, you know, the guy is, he, he completely lacks discipline, he lacks qualifications, he lacks plausibility, he lacks integrity. Now, that's not to say his opponent has him in spades, but you get the sense that we're playing for time here. We need to, the country needs to buy four years till it can switch generations and and uh, and hopefully have better choices than what we are confronted with right now. And only one of those candidates seems like they are up to that particular task. Penn, if you're a, a down ticket um, candidate in either race in, in, in either party, um, how much of your campaign are you dedicating to? I'm not necessarily aligned with the top of my ticket. Um, if I'm a Republican, all of my time. Um, <laughs> I'm not aligned with him in any way, shape, or form. If I'm a Democrat, um, I'm not going to spend my time distancing myself from Hillary Clinton. I'm going to spend my time extolling the virtues of my candidacy and what my party stands for. Here's the big difference. And um, I understand where everybody else is headed. And, and this has not been our best moment as a country this political season. But the reality is we knew and the Republican Party knew what it was getting in Donald Trump. They just thought it was cute when he was aimed at somebody else rather than at the Republican <laughs> Party that nominated him. Now that he's aimed at the Republican Party that nominated him, everybody's all aghast and surprised. But this is nothing new. This is who he is. Um, and he's trying, I think now, to make this the filthiest race possible and say, we're both pigs in slop, but I'm less dirty than she is, so vote for me. And if you vote for me, I'll put her in jail. So vote for me. I, I don't think it's going to fly. I think he 
he's showing up in Pueblo and Colorado Springs because he's flying around the country, showing up in places where he can get a crowd of at least 20 or 30 people to cheer and talk about he's their guy. One other thing I'd note, he's, you know, he's basically offended every possible voting block he has. I was in a barbershop the other day, and we were watching one of his rallies with Trump, and there was a sign that said, Blacks for Trump. And one of the guys in the barbershop said, no, it should say, Black for Trump. There's only one guy standing there. <laughs> <laughs> it did not represent a big group. I said the same thing. <laughs> Let's get local here. Michael Bennett and Daryl Glenn have their one and only televised debate this week, hosted by Nine News at the History Colorado Center. The debate was marked by third-party protesters disrupting the debate by banging on the windows of the building. Uh, David, I've seen a lot of different protests before a debate uh, from related campaigns, the number of campaigns, banging on the very windows of the building was a new one for me. Uh, from what you saw the debate or heard from it, what did you take away? Well, that third party is has a lot of communists and Marxists in it, so their, their quasi-violent tactics shouldn't be surprising. If you want to vote for a neither Glenn nor uh, Bennett, and you want to go for a third party that has some in integrity and, and character and decency, Lily Tang Williams uh, is the Libertarian Party nominee. She is a refugee from communist China, and she knows what she sa thinks and says what she means, which in one respect puts her ahead of the two larger party nominees. Daryl Glenn still can't figure out Donald Trump's level of repentance. That's a and wants to talk to Trump personally about it. That's a, a, a high level of naivete, let's say, if he, if he genuinely can't tell uh, from this and suggest he doesn't have much judgment about the obvious. The same thing can be said about Michael Bennett, who voted for that horrible Iran deal uh, that is endangering everyone in the Middle East and is accelerating the path of a totalitarian Islamist tyranny towards offensive nuclear weapons along with the ballistic missiles capable of delivering them far beyond Iran's borders and is also funding terrorism right now, including the Houthi forces in Yemen that attacked the United States uh, Navy recently. Michael Bennett also says he doesn't know when Hillary says she wants open borders hemispherically that he doesn't know what that means. Well, he ought to bring a dictionary and open borders has a fairly clear meaning. Um, so. They're both, if they were the presidential candidates, it would be a blessing to this country. They're both far superior to the nominees on either side. <laughs> after, after all that, and still saying they would still be much better than the presidential nominees is a, uh, a pretty telling statement. Eric, uh, did we get anything out of this one televised debate uh, besides a reminder that there is a Senate race? No, I thought we had agreed at this table that we were killing this as a topic. We it's a topic should. that ke keeps coming back. There is a Senate race in this state. Um, it would be nice, Dominic, if you would tell the crew to quit banging on the doors trying to get into the studio. And if you would tell David to sit down and quit lurking over us like Donald Trump uh, pacing, around these, uh, pacing around the debate. Uh, Semi-seriously here, there is not a race in this state. It is, even though Michael Bennett has been a very credible U.S. Senator and he's been involved in many of the big issues in Washington. Six years is a long Senate term, and if you're going to renew that term, 
you ought to have to face the people and engage in a, a, a vigorous discussion of what you've done and why you deserve another six years. He has not been forced to do that. You look at Nevada, there were going to be two states where Democratic incumbents were in jeopardy. One was Nevada, one was Colorado. In Nevada, the Republicans, what a shock, they actually nominated a U.S. congressman who is, seems, at least on paper, to have qualifications, who seems, unless Trump drags him down, to be leading those polls by a few points. In Colorado, they nominated, they indulged their, you know, whimsy to whoever makes their conservative hearts go most pitter-patter and nominated someone who is completely unelectable. This is a party in the course of six years that has nominated Dan Mays and now six years later, Daryl Gwynn. In between those, they nominated Cory Gardner for Senate. And look what happened. He won. He, and he didn't face a primary. And he didn't face a primary. They nominated Bob Beaupre for a governor's race. He lost, but came within a couple points of beating, uh, of, of, of taking out a popular governor. If you nominate credible people, you're a credible political party. If, you're not, if, if you follow the path that Republicans in this state who have much to figure out after this election, you're not a credible political party, you're a protest movement. Penn, uh, did you catch the debate? Did you learn anything from it that you didn't know already about the race? I didn't catch it because I knew I wasn't going to learn anything. I know Michael Bennett and Daryl Glenn's been real clear by his campaign. He only cares about being a Christian conservative candidate. And one thing his candidacy will do is tell you and tell us how large that contingency is within the state so the Republican Party can then figure out what they have to do to basically follow Eric's advice and nominate some candidates that actually have a prayer of getting elected statewide. Um, it's unfortunate. I, I, I can't quite figure out the Daryl Glenn campaign. It's almost like they're afraid to win. They only want to talk about certain issues in front of certain people. And they haven't forced Michael Bennett to go and do numerous debates and account for his time in the U.S. Senate, which is what they ought to be doing. But they aren't. Um, and the problem is Bennett is popular, Bennett is liked, and Bennett hasn't made any major political gaffes. He's not done a poor job. No one would contend that. So it, Eric's right. This, this race is over. It's been over. Yeah. Um, and it's just interesting that people are banging on windows and everything. They ought to find a way to put their message out in front of a broader cross-section of the electorate. And maybe rather than banging on windows, their candidate might be sitting in the room participating in the debate also. Patty, uh, banging on windows certainly uh, probably didn't do a whole lot for future debates. The first floor of the History of Colorado Center, perhaps maybe a little higher up in the building. Um, beyond that protest, what did you get from the debate? Well, I think the banging on the windows was probably the most interesting thing we heard during that debate. You know, we have to remember that when Dan Mays did run, Tancredo was running, and he was allowed to participate in the debates. And they made those debates very, very interesting. And it wouldn't have hurt for this solo debate you wish there were more with the Senate candidates, but why not allow some of these other people in? We don't have to play by the national rules. You could bring in some of these other third-party candidates who might actually challenge the incumbent. But Daryl Glenn seemed unable to do that. But I just think it's time to look at opening debates. We don't have to look at the National Republican Party and what they do anymore because we don't know if it will exist after this election. That's a good point. 
Colorado Public Television, along with its partner CBS4 and KOA News Radio, hosted one of the three televised debates featuring the candidates running in Congressional District 6, Mike Kaufman and Morgan Carroll. The debate will air later tonight at 9 p.m. It was a great debate, so be sure not to miss it. It has become the most competitive, high-profile race in the state, and ads have dominated the airwaves. Eric, you helped me uh, host the debate. What did you think? What are viewers in the treat for later tonight? Yeah, it's one you should definitely watch. It was clearly of the, what do we do, Dominic, 18 debates this general election yep. cycle. It was, and many of those being ballot issues, but this was of the candidate races, the feistiest, and as you indicated in your question, it is the race of the year uh, in Colorado by all accounts. That's somewhat a testimony to the fact that the presidential race and the Senate race are largely uh, off the radar. It was feisty. They went after each other pretty well. There is no love lost between them. I notice in many other debates after the camera, after we're done and the credits roll, there's a little bit of goodwill and you sit around the set for two or three minutes and make a uh, happy conversation. There was no happy conversation here. As soon as the credits had rolled, they were both up out of their seats, microphones off and out the door without a word to each other. Uh, Kaufman strikes a, Kaufman was the aggressor here. I mean, Morgan uh, Carroll gave it back as good as she took it. Mm -hmm. But Kaufman was the one, it struck me, sitting on that set, who came loaded for bear, um, which tells me that they are worried, as Republican Congress people around the country should be worried, that there is a drag effect. I think uh, Mike Kaufman was probably up in this race a few weeks ago. I don't know where the polls sit today, but I think there is a fear that he is being dragged down along with a lot of other Republicans, and so he was the aggressor in this debate. Penn, if Mike Huffman is able to hold on to a seat in a year with Donald Trump at the top of, top of his ticket and facing a formal com competitor, Morgan Carroll, does he keep it for as long as he wants it? Do Democrats write it off? No, because with redistricting, the boundaries are going to continue to change, and I think it's going to become a more and more difficult seat for Mike Kaufman to hold on to, just as the suburban ring around Denver begins to become a more diverse population mix. Um, I think Mike Kaufman's the aggressor. You, we see national money on both sides flowing in in large measure uh, for both of these candidates because um, the Republican Party knows that he's vulnerable, that he can be taken out with Trump at the top of the ticket, and the Democratic Party knows they can pick up a seat. And Morgan Carroll is a good candidate. She has, you know, she's uh, portrayed herself well. She's been articulate, and she's been good with voters. And Mike's got to be the aggressor because if he's not careful, he's going to lose that seat. Patty, we've seen a lot of crazy ads. Anything striking a tone with you? They're getting a little nasty, and in Colorado, you almost wish they could be more civil. I'm looking forward to this debate because probably it doesn't sound like it's all that civil. That's at least fun with debates. But a year ago, you know, really, Kaufman looked like, even though Morgan Carroll is the most competitive contender against him so far, he looked pretty safe. And until all of a sudden, the Trumpism and what that drag that Penn referred to, what that drag can do to him, it's going to be a really interesting race and an interesting debate. David, wrap it up for us. Two very experienced and well-qualified candidates, and if you're a, you have the Democratic ideology, you've got a good candidate. If you've got the Republican ideology, you've got a good candidate. If you're undecided, that's a great thing to watch on the debate. Uh, you know, my, my dad served with Mike Kaufman at the beginning of Kaufman's career and towards the end of my dad's, and my dad at the beginning of his career served with Morgan Carroll's dad. So these are people who understand government, know what's going on, and Kaufman's an effective legislator. Carroll would be an effective legislator. I would say if, if you find the de deplorables at the top of the ticket bad, Kaufman, to his credit, has always rejected 
uh, the evil Republican candidate of impunity and crime. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, Representative Carroll hasn't done that on her side. Again, that debate is tonight at 9 o'clock. Be sure to tune in. It's also online at cpt12.org. Let's get to our favorite part of the show, Disgrace the Week, as always. Patty, start us off. Well, the Disgrace of the Week with Donald Trump's taped interview, uh, taped conversation with a Bush, which you have to love, um, is definitely, that's the disgrace. But Hillary Clinton, who's got every fact at her fingertips for the last, like, 50 years of American history, American policy, can't recall how many times when she's deposed about her email? David? Uh, selective amnesia, for sure. It's, it's, it's a particularly insidious disease, perhaps genetic. Uh, the, George Soros, the global mastermind of gun prohibition, among other things, is dumping huge amounts of money into the Jefferson County District 2 district attorney's race. And two Democratic DAs, to their credit, said Soros is just completely lying. The Republican candidate, the Democratic candidate challenged the Republican DA, also said he doesn't agree with all those ads. They're false. George Soros, by the way, huge Hillary Clinton funder, um, ought to stay out of Colorado and leave his evil lies back at his headquarters in London and New York. Eric. I agree with David on that one. I think it is despicable what's going on out in that Jefferson County District Attorney's race with the independent spending. Real quickly, we're seeing another example of the worst kind of situational ethics on both sides of this presidential race. If you buy into the notion of believe the women when they allege sexual assault, and by and large, they're telling the truth. But here you have Republicans, or at least Trump acolytes, diminishing the women who are accusing Trump of misdeeds, but yet believe every word coming out of Juanita Broderick's mouth or Kathleen Woolley's mouth or the others. And then on the Democrats, on the other hand, on the other hand are just the opposite. They will believe everything bad that someone alleges about Donald Trump, but to turn a blind eye to the, uh, to the accusers of Bill Clinton. Let's have one standard in this country. We have so, the passions are so high, the double standard is out of control. Penn. WikiLeaks. Um, I, I am really disturbed about this organization. I don't know if it's based in the Kremlin or someplace else, but we have a First Amendment in our country that preserves your right to free speech, but sort of inherent in that is your right to private thought and private speech. If I send an email to my mother, these thieves should not be able to go around and pull it up and put it out for public display just because they think it's interesting. And I'm really disturbed about their actions to the extent it appears that it's orchestrated by Moscow. And so think whatever you want about Hillary Clinton, but as Americans, we have to be concerned about this phenomenon. Edward Snowden was clearly just the tip of the iceberg. Traitor or patriot, but there's a problem with this WikiLeaks organization. Say something nice about somebody. I'm going to kick it off with somebody, something from our viewers. Uh, Skyjack tweeted in, wants to say something nice about thanking Denver police for keeping the protests at the U.S. Senate debate civil and keeping everyone safe. We have less than a minute. Patty, say something nice. Having spent two-thirds of my life in Colorado, I'm glad the Rocky season is, is over. But the first third was in Chicago. Go Cubs. David. The Boulder Police Department, which won an award from the Special Olympics of Colorado for all the officers due in in fundraising for the Special Olympics and participating in races to help them, and also for the Boulder Police Department's uh, training to help them deal with, with mentally ill people. Eric. The Colorado Independent publication, Susan Green occasionally joins us here. They're really putting together an impressive lineup of journalistic talent. They just added Tina Griego to the ranks. Well done. 
Penn. Denver, not only did you get Alan Salazar, but Kristen Bronson, who's about to become the city attorney, great lawyer and even a better person. That's all the time we had tonight. Thanks for tuning in. Stick around tonight for Colorado Decides at 9 p.m. We'll, we'll look at the race to win one of the most competitive races in the state. Democrat challenger Morgan Carroll debates incumbent Congressman Mike Hoffman. You can catch CIO and all of our debate programs on iTunes on our podcast feed. And for everyone here at Colorado Public Television, I'm Dominic Dizzuti. Thanks for watching. Good night.